Exponential, what's happening? This is Myra Pierce, Omaha, Nebraska. It's good to be with you. My my rider die, Ralph Moore, is on vacation somewhere in Antarctica or something. I think I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I I asked the homie Troy to um to ride shotgun today. What's up, Troy? Hey, how's it going, man? My name is Troy, and I am from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, just just love exponential, love church planting, and love church planters. Yeah, man, if you are an urban church planner or thinking about inner city church planting, y'all need to holler at my man, Troy. Amazing. We had him on a couple weeks ago. It was super dope. And uh, we are going to kick it with my man, Nick, today. Nick, I'm feeling the hat and the beard, Joe. Nice, man. <laughs> so glad to be with you guys today. Hey, how long how long you been growing that beard, man? Uh, man, I've had like a, a goatee or a beard since the day I graduated high school. So like to over to, like 20 years. I thought, um, I thought I thought you was going to say since the day you came out the womb. I was going to say. I, well, I tried, but you know, the <laughs> dress code at, at the school wouldn't let it let it fly. So you put yeah, me the same, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there. <laughs> hey, cut it off, bro. Just cut it off. <laughs> Just cut it off. <laughs> well, hey, man. Um, we're, we're excited for today's uh, conversation. Uh, Exponential families, obviously, is thousands and thousands of leaders, many of whom will. You know, catch be catching it live right now, and many will be catching the replay. So, Nick, be expecting to to get some emails from some folk asking more questions. But man, um, how about we get started, Nick, by just telling us a little bit about you, what you lead, and and then lastly, what what God is doing. Yeah, so um, we're in Stephenville, Texas. It's about an hour southwest of the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex area. Um, we we planted uh, my wife and I planted Timberridge church uh, here in Stephenville. It will be 10 years old in September. Uh, so we moved here in 2011 and, uh, and planted Timber Ridge and in doing so also planted a college ministry that's part of Timber Ridge called T-Rock or Timber Ridge on campus and uh, have led those uh, alongside a great team for, for the last almost decade. And uh, in the, the nine years, I guess almost 10 years now that we've been a church, uh, we've uh, helped plant 36 churches out of our church. Oh, and so, yeah, like yeah, we, we knew moving here, we would have great sending capacity. And so that's yeah. one of the reasons we feel like God called us here. And so uh, we, we tell our people we're not a church. Uh, we're a church planting church and there's a difference and it runs everything we do. And so that's kind of our story. We've got two kids, awesome kids. One of them's in there setting up our worship center for the weekend right now, 12 years old. We got him put him to work and a 12 year old son and an eight year old daughter. And uh, yeah, we love our city and just uh, God's been doing some great stuff uh, and, and just moving in a lot of ways over the last decade. Man, that is so, so powerful. What's the what's the what's the big vision? What's the I know you heard you say we're a church planting church. Unpack that for us and then and then tell us all the the dirty laundry behind people leaving when they say when you say I'm a church planting church. <laughs> yeah, so what you, you know, but church planting church means like it means we're, we're, we're different in our goal. Like we, for, for effectiveness and health and success for us, we, we want to constantly be involved in sending. And so part of that is like we intentionally reach college students so that we can send them out maybe with a planter here at Timberridge or maybe just to other planters we're connected with to say, hey, we know this church planter who's planting in this area. Uh, part of the reality of our city is we have a, a large college. When college is in session, our our city is uh, August to, to uh, 
middle August to early May, our city's twice the size it normally is. So 50% of our city is college students. Uh, wow. six, 60% of our church is college students. Wow. And so, uh, so we know like they have to leave to go get jobs. There's not a lot of jobs here. And so we knew like if we can reach college students, if we can raise them up, if we can give them a big picture vision and purpose for their life, then we can send them out on mission for the kingdom. Uh, they're, they're not going to stay here. Uh, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great if, if the college students we reached, you know, uh, stuck around and and uh, we're all, you know, always here. It would be easier. But the reality is they're good. They're going to leave. And so we have a built in sending mechanism. So we're constantly looking at how can we send people out to go to help other church plants, to go to kingdom work elsewhere. We, we say our Success is not our seating capacity. Our success is our sending capacity. And we really like have put that in action in our church mm-hmm. to say, uh, we're going to send people out. We're going to send resources out. We're going to send funds out. Um, there's challenges to it. It's uh, you, you have to be for us. We've had to be all in on it. Uh, there was no wall the line because walking the line would mean there are times where it's easier to hold on to our resources, to hold on to our people, to hold on to the things that God has given us. And, and really, we've had to learn to live very open-handedly in order to, to, to kind of multiply. Man, I, I'm hearing you, you know, you were talking earlier, we talked a little bit before the interview and then just hearing you. I want to rewind the tape a little bit because it, it's uh, what was fascinating to me. I only know a few people in this situation <clears throat> 36 churches, man. You said that pretty, that was popping out pretty fast, right? But yeah. I think the context, though, I think I want to cross that out. <clears throat> you said something that was a bit of a, uh, or oxymoron, like, you know, in Texas, in a small town. Yeah. And plus, um, you know, 36 churches. Make that make sense, man. Like, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, tell us about the town, the context. For with, sure. You know, small, and then what were some of the challenges and what was some of the beauty and being able to, to get to the point where you're planning 36 churches out of a small town? For sure. So we're, we're um, uh, when we planted day one, one of my spiritual fathers is a guy named Bob Roberts, a part of Global Net. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and Bob really like challenged us to multiply from day one and really like coached me and pastored me to multiply from day one. So we, we worked multiplication into everything we do. It's mm-hmm. in our leadership strategy of how we develop life group leaders or our serve team leaders. It's, it's in our, uh, our leadership development pipeline of how we reach college students and then hand off ministry and authority. And responsibility to them. So we're constantly thinking, how do we develop leaders so that we can send them out? But but not uh, kind of a clarifying thing. Not all of those have come from within our church. Some of them are people we connect with through because we, what we've learned is once you start planting churches, church planters find you. If you have resources to pour into church planners, it's like a magnet for church planners looking for resources. So we've connected with church planners through networks, through the things like Exponential, where we've met someone and, and gotten to, to know them and, and getting in a, a relationship with a planter and then going, hey, this is someone we want to invest in. We want to coach them. We want to train them. We brought on apprentices, those kind of things. But, but back to the context, part of the context is the college sending culture. Um, Part, but part of the challenge is we're only a town of 17,000 people. So, um, and, and then being in a more blue collar town, there are, there are challenges, you know, people wise, you want to, the, the, the temptation is to hold on to everyone you have because it is a smaller community. 
Um, and then the resource challenge is mostly blue collar and college students in our church. There's financial struggles to multiplication, to, to really being able to resource church planters and, and pour into them. And so what we did from day one to just uh, like balance that is we said we'll never have less than 20% of our budget uh, go to church planting and global engagement. So we, we've right now, now 22, 23% of our budget goes out to church planting. And uh, we made that a, 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 an issue in day one. We made that commitment so that when we had, we didn't have any money. We we're like every church planner. We had you know, right. 20% of $7 isn't much, you know, right, right. Um, uh, but, but as our budget has grown, we've been able to be more generous in planting healthy churches that will multiply uh, yeah. from day one. And so we've made some budget sacrifices. Our people have to make sacrifices for us to be a church planning church. That means we don't have the best light show. Mm-hmm. It means we don't have, uh, you know, the, the best technology. It means like sometimes our kids ministry uh, or our youth ministry may have to sacrifice a, a little. If we're going to be a, a multiplying church, there's probably, uh, you know, youth buildings in town and, and kids ministry buildings in our area that are far more, have far more resources poured into them right. than we do. And so the families in our church have to make a decision to go, no, multiplication is who we're going to be. And, and we, we buy into this with our church. And so that's been a part of our journey and some of that struggle to constantly, you know, keep in front of our people that multiplication is what God's called us to. We're going to sacrifice in order to make it happen. We're going to share the stories of life change so that people are motivated to do it and then continue to just live out those those disciplines on a regular basis. I don't want y'all to miss this. If you're here live or you're catching a replay, because many of you um, definitely coming out of COVID, have either struggled and at most of at an exponential one of the things we talk about is level one, two, three, four, and five. If you're either, you know, you're 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 plateauing, you're subtracting, you're I'm sorry, you're subtracting, you're plateauing, you're adding, you're reproducing, you're multiplying. But one of the things that Nick here just just laid out for us as a recipe is number one, multiplication isn't just what they do, it's who they are. Right. Number yeah. Number two, there's a commitment to it. And in that commitment, the budget, the budget line places the greatest important emphasis on multiplication in their sending. And then the key one that I think is very, very important is about sacrifice. Here's a question, Nick, from our audience. Uh, The question is, have you learned any best practices when it comes to making sure daughter churches also send out church planters? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that one. That's good. That, that's a great question. We, we have one of the things we've realized is that we when we connect with church planners, whether that's through an apprenticeship where someone comes and joins our team and does a long term, you know, 12 to 18 month apprenticeship, whether that's someone we've raised up from within our church, because that happens uh, as well, or even whether that's a church planner that we've connected to that really doesn't have a, a coach or any spiritual uh, backing or a church to send them out, regardless of what where that pipeline leads from. We have those three pipelines, regardless of where that church planner comes from and those daughter church churches come from. We want to make sure that the leaders have a heart of multiplication uh, at, at their core. So, so we will talk to them about what, what have they done to multiply themselves for the kingdom. Um, 
what, what have you done to multiply yourself? And if they haven't ever been in, a, in, a, in an organization or in a church where that's been a part of what they're called to do, we, we don't write them off. We want to coach them and teach them how to do that. But we make sure that they know that's, pro, that's a top priority for us. We plant churches that do three things, uh, that engage a hard place in the world, that uh, engage in serving the underserved and the poor in their community, and number three, that plant churches. So that's one of our three distinctives. You have to be a, a church planting church if we're going to train you and coach you and support you. And so we coach them how to do that. Just a practical way, if we have an, someone come as an apprentice or someone in our church says, hey, I'm interested in church planting, one of the first things we have them do is we have them uh, develop, we, we have them lead a small group, but we don't give them the small group. We say, hey, you're going to go out and you're going you're gonna to invest in the community and you're going to reach out to people uh, who are not connected to the church and you're uh, going to grow your own oh, small man. group. Because if you can't grow a small group, you can't grow a church. If you can't multiply yourself into a small group, you can't multiply as as an organization or as a church. So like a very practical step where we say, hey, okay, you're not going to pick from all the people you know in the church. Go find some folks who are not church and begin to pour into them, invest in them. And you're going to grow and lead a small group and you're going to raise someone up to take it over. And then when they take it over, then let's talk about planting the church. But if you can't do that in a small group setting, you're, you're not going to be successful to multiply in a church setting. So those are some of the things, the conversations we have to make sure. And we talk about multiplication. We sit down with them with their budget and go, where in your budget is multiplication? If you don't have it in your budget, our wall, you know, Jesus said, wherever your, your, your treasure is there, your heart is also. Yes. If it's not in the church wallet, it won't be in the church heart. And wow. so, so where is it in your budget? And we walk them through very practical steps of making sure that they have thought through the commitment that they have to do to multiply. And then, and then coaching them how to do that and teaching them how to do that. And it becomes a family of churches because multiplication really, we can reach people people and we can start new churches and it can be just addition. Wow. But multiplication is a family multiplication reproduction is a family activity. You know, and you know so, what, Nick? You know what? I'm so glad. Man, you dropping bombs on people. <laughs> man, hey, listen, my God. So listen, I'm glad you're using the language of family. I've learned over my years of leading that if if the if the language we're using is hierarchical and yeah. transactional and organizational versus family, you're going to get two different outcomes. You are 100%. Because if I'm trying to build a machine versus build a family, that's yeah. just two different conversations. It's completely different conversations. And, and also impacts multiplication in that if we want the churches we plant, to plant churches, they've got to be healthy. So none of us look at our family and go, man, we can't put shoes on our own kids. Let's have four more. Mm. But in the church planting world, that's a temptation to go, no, no, we got to plant more churches. So let's give this church planner $50 and this church planner $50 and this church planner $50 and let's call them our church plants. Wow. We really haven't planted churches like, no, that's not how I treat my son. I make sure my son has what he needs to be healthy. I make sure like I'm spending time with him. I make sure I'm teaching him what he should do. It's a different thing than to just go, well, let's just throw some resources and call these people our church planners because 
we want to be a church planning church. No, we want to have a healthy family of churches that that lead healthy families of churches that lead healthy families of churches. And so it it changes the way we, we start from the very beginning. Wow. Hey man, I, um, you know, so I, I pastor church where we have a lot of, uh, young adults, a lot of them, maybe, I don't know, 85% of our church is under 27. So it's like, so it's, it is legit like herding cats. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And being, being in a college town, we have a few colleges here in Grand Rapids, being in the college town, then the turnover, they come, they go, they come, they go, the transient, you know, nature of it. Tell me how, what what are some of the challenges and what are some of the, what is some of the beauty in the fact that, man, you have these younger people, lots of ideas, lack of experience. What has that, that been like? What has your herding cat experience been like? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely herding cats. Uh, you know, I think the biggest challenge is that that is true. They do leave. And, uh, and that's hard. It's hard relationally. You know, you pour two, three years into someone uh, for the leaders of the church. When, when the leaders of the church aren't 20, 21, 22, 23, I mean, when the le- like leadership in the church has families. It's hard on your families. We want them to lead. We want them to uh, to um, to to take those steps. We want them to uh, to to learn everything they can, so that we can send them off as healthy uh, followers of the kingdom. And, and so, I think part of that too, in, in our culture, like you you mentioned, the age. If you take the children and youth out of our church and just do average adult age, our average adult age is still under twenty five not mm-hmm. counting children and, and uh, well under 25, not counting children and teenagers. So one of the things we've done that's like with the herding cats is we've realized that young, young adults, they want to have significance and they want to have purpose. Uh, so we've done everything we can to like, as we're training them, we say like, give the keys to the kingdom to the 19 year old. Mm. So as we're training them, we're giving them authority. As we're training them, they have responsibility. Uh, we have a college ministry that on Wednesday night, it meets on Wednesday nights called T-Rock. There'll be over 400 college students there. It's led by 19, 20, and 21-year-olds, and they lead it all. Uh, our college associate who runs the whole thing is 21. Uh, he's a killer leader, but we've given them authority and responsibility and said, hey, uh, you go lead and you go invest because they have ideas, they have creativity, they have energy, and then we'll come behind you and clean up the mess. And while we clean up the mess, you're going to learn from it, but we're not going to let it, just because it's messy, we're not going to keep you from leading. Just because it's messy, we're not going to pull back from it. You know what, Nick? I want to highlight what you just said because I think um, the more seasoned the leader becomes – the less attractive it is to give young people authority and responsibility, right? I've seen that. And so what I heard you say, correct me if I'm wrong, you give authority and responsibility to 19, 20, 21 year olds because they have the passion, the ideas, the motivation, the creativity. And then you say, we'll just come behind you and clean up the mess. Yeah. That's a philosophy that's worth practicing. Man, Man, that. I literally, literally, before I got on this call, 
I was in that conversation with another powerful pastor uh, who, who, who we were talking about this. And he was saying, you know, he wanted to look for his number two uh, guy or gal. And how are we going to do that? And we were talking about those, those younger people and the fact that, like, man, give them the keys and let them go. They're going to mm. break some stuff. They're going to break some stuff, wow. man. So, and it's pretty dope, man, that you're willing to go through that because that, that, it costs money. Yeah. You know, a lot of your time, uh, but you're, you, you all are, you all are obviously believing that to, to be crazy enough to do it over and over and over again. So, yeah. hats off, bro. Mm. We, we, oh, go ahead, Nick. I was just going to say, we say a lot around here. If you give the keys to the 19 year olds, there's going to be some car wrecks. Like yeah, you're going to have to deal with the accidents. You have to go yeah, clean man. it up. You have to coach them through how they, you know, don't make that same accident again. Um, but, but what you get out of it as far as like life and passion and creativity mm. and kingdom impact is, is, you know, it doesn't compare to anything else. Mm. You know, Nick, I want to come back to something you highlighted earlier um, about multiplication. Can you tell us again what the, you talked about apprenticeship, some people you raise up within, some people who hear that church finders, they want to come spend some time with you. What are those three um, lanes you talked about? Um, and, and then I have a question after that. Yeah, so the three lanes for us are, uh, number one, there it's within. So we've had some some people on our team uh, or on in our church that we've raised up to be pastors and we've raised up to be uh, staff members in different roles. And then you can't be around here very long without kind of catching the church planning bug. Um, and so then like they're like, hey, I think God's calling me to church planning. So that's been, okay, well, let's, let's send you out and let's start working through that process process of developing a team and a plan and, and where's God calling you and, and sending people out. So that's one lane. It's from within the church uh, the, or one funnel. The, the other funnel is people that are interested in church planning that know us through ministry or that find out about us, you know, already have a relationship with us, but find out about us, but they want to come and learn from us long-term. So they're not just looking for us to support them or coach them or train them. They want to come get the DNA of becoming a multiplying church. So they'll move to Stephenville and they'll, we'll do an apprenticeship or a residency. And it lasts anywhere from 18, 12, 18, 24 months, depending on where they are, um, depending on their experience. And that's another funnel. And then the third funnel is just through connections we make with, uh, you know, uh, places like Exponential, uh, through networks that we're a part of. I, I'm the uh, church planning catalyst for GlocalNet, so we meet a lot of people through that. So, so people who who know what we're doing in church planning, who are looking for for training and coaching and resources, they're not looking to move to Steamville and. And for a year or two, they already know where they're called. They may already be in the process in their city, but they need coaching. They need training. They need resources. They need a church to adopt them and bring them into a part of their family. So those are our three funnels. If, if you don't, if you're watching now and you don't have a funnel, I want to, I want to triple dog, double dare you to jack everything that you just heard Nick say and be unapologetic about it. That's right. Line up three funnels. Number one, within. Number two, relationships that are outside who want more long-term 12 months to 18 um, month relationship where they can come and live. And then number three, get out of your office and come to Exponential. We're having one in person here. Catch a webinar online, build relationships and, and begin to 
like build those funnels. And all of a sudden you find yourself like becoming a, a, a church planting um, guru, if you will. I have a question about like when people come that are outside or through connection, a lot of times when we plan and talk about church planting, we get our mission, our vision, our core values. And I'm not against core values. One of the things I'm finding more helpful as I coach in the business world, in the, um, in the church planting world, is we, we need more people who have characteristics of our church versus just core values of our church. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like when you, when you think about the character, what kind of characteristics are you looking for uh, in a leader if they're coming through one of those funnels? Yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, question because core values you can you can take like a lot of times people think core values as ideals. Yeah, and, and I think that's where it gets off track. Like these are our core values. Well, really, are they? Like one of our core values is lost people matter to God. Well, the reason it's a core value is because of how I grew up unchurched and and uh, and how God like kind of has worked in in uh, my life uh, over the years, and uh, it's a core value because our church is focused on reaching people far from God and helping them find and follow Jesus. So that that's who we are. It's not, it's more of a characteristic and it's just hanging on the wall, but we're not ever being evangelistic. We're not ever loving our neighbor. We're not ever serving our city. We're not ever doing everything we can to offer the hope found in Jesus to hurting people. Then it's just a, a an ideal on a wall. Characteristics are like what, what it is that we're living out. And so for us, we're looking for someone who's, apostolic like they know how to how to mm. charge the hill uh for the kingdom of jesus like that's number one um we we want to see like some it doesn't even have to be in the in the in ministry world because a lot of the people we're meeting are in the business sector who who then want to transition into church planning or in other areas of uh, in domains of society uh, who want to to plant churches out of their out of the the career god's already given them so we're looking for apostolically gifted people uh, we're, uh, we're looking for people who are teachable or coachable. Um, like they, they don't think they have it figured out all the way because that, that typically, uh, typically we plant a church in our mind before we plant a church in our city and they, they're never the same. And right. so we want people that are coachable so that when they get to wherever it is, God's calling them, we're able to, to help them through it. Uh, we want people who are, uh, for lack of a better term, evangelistic. Like we want people that care about hurting people who are, who are far from God. Like we, if you, if you just want to gather people to sit in the same room on Sunday, we're not really interested in that. Um, and we want people who are multipliers, uh, who are, are pouring wow. into others and, and, and teaching others how to, how to do the same. Yeah. Even right now, um, you know, what, what we're, ha- the conversation we're having really is about building infrastructure and if you have core values without key characteristics, I want you to write down three key characteristics that you're looking for in a leader yeah. when it comes to church That's planting. Good. Nick says, hey, number one characteristic, they have to be apostolic. I've run into problems. And again, not, nothing, nothing against the fivefold. The fivefold is needed. But when we're talking about advancing the kingdom, what I heard you say, Nick, is one characteristic is you have to be apostolic. Number two, you have to be coachable. And number three, you have to care about people. Yeah, that is that that will save all of us some headache. Having characteristics, I you know I'm, I'm listening. I, I, I like the um, I, I struggle too with like the core value thing. 
I still use the core value language, but I but I also say something like, "Yo, if living core values." So yeah, when I talk to businesses, good. when I talk to um, church planters, they basically say like, "Yo, it's, it doesn't matter those are, those of us that are in leadership and what we're saying. Yeah, it's, those are just words. But living core values is what are your constituents saying? What do people say about you? What do people say mm. about your organization? And is that is that what they're saying? If it, if it is, man, this church loves people. Well, you can't just say that, but people actually feel that. That's the mm-hmm. best way. And so, um, yeah, man, I, I am really, you know, I want to, I want to jump back a little bit on on the uh, on the DNA. You mentioned something earlier about about um, telling the stories and stuff like that. I think that's important. And so, if you can, if you can unpack a little bit about the some of the how do you keep people excited? You know, how do you keep people excited about an uh, old vision? You're mm. ten years old, right? How, how do you yeah, get that press? Sure. Yeah. Good. That's a great question because it is a challenge. Um, you know, uh, uh, people that have been with you for all 10 years are like, okay, we've heard this one line or we've heard this, uh, you know, this story. We've heard this. So, so I think part of it is having fresh stories. Like yeah. when we tell a story, we want to tell the story from last week not from last year or from the last decade. So that means we constantly have to be like multiplying. We constantly have to be developing people. We constantly have to be reaching people and planting new churches to tell the story. Um, I think that's a huge part of it. I think another thing that we've done intentionally well over the years is that we will have not just our people who apprentice here, but other church planners that we're connected with uh, in the summer because, uh, you know, we have a lot of college students gone. It's a different flow for our church. So in the summer, I'll typically take a few weeks off and we will bring in church planters, who, churches we've planted to come in and preach. So when, when, when I'm gone, maybe during the school year, we're not necessarily looking for, hey, let's go hire that home run name that everybody knows. Like they would kill it. Let's bring them in on a Sunday. That, that's great if, if, if people choose to do that. But for us, we're going, hey, which one of our church planners could we bring in? Which one of our, our, our uh, you know, churches that we planted, which pastor could we bring in to preach that, that weekend? Because then it connects our churches back to them and they're sharing their stories and they're thanking our church personally uh, for their investment and their sacrifice. Uh, so we've done that. Uh, we try to tell the story via picture and video a lot. So we'll have our church planters, if they do something, they post it on social media, like uh, one of the churches that we've had a, just a small part in helping launch out in Arizona, they, they're launched. Sunday in January, they had a big donut wall and we were able to, to they, they needed the lumber to buy the, to, to make the donut wall. So our church paid for the lumber. So that Sunday, the next Sunday, we showed a picture of their donut wall and we were like, man, you paid for this. You invested in this. And, and so those kind of things. And then we do this thing at Christmas every year called my best gift. And uh, we take up a special offering in the month of December. We talk about it for six weeks leading up to it every single Sunday. We email people about it. We text people about it. We shoot videos. But my best gift, 100% of the funds go to church planting and global engagement. So we're, we're putting church planters' faces up there. We're telling their stories. We're taking videos of the, asking them to shoot a quick video of something they're doing and sending it to us. So we're constantly telling the story in a new and in a fresh way. 
And that has energized our people for the long haul over it. And then also, I think it's huge, especially if you're in a larger city, it's harder for us to do in a rural area, but in, uh, we've done it even in a rural area. When you plant churches that are geographically close to you, and we've done that, try to connect your people to boots on the ground to help them get started. So sending a team to help with a preview service, sending a team to help with a community outreach, uh, sending a team to help move the pastors and their family whenever they move. Those kind of things have kept it fresh for our church and constantly in front of them. So they're constantly reminded, oh, no, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what our church is about. Absolutely. Nick, can you can you talk to us about going back to the apprentice conversation in those three funnels. When someone comes through that funnel, walk us through from the, be- from the beginning to of when they come through the funnel to church planting. What are the steps, like nuts and bolts? Gotcha. watching, give us the practical nuts and bolts steps to from beginning to end. Okay, uh, so I'll start with the, we just raised them up from within. So either we're leading someone to Christ or we're connecting with someone in the community who's already a Christian who may not have a church home. They end up coming to our church. Uh, and typically when they come to our church, we're trying to get them, them involved in a, in a life group and trying to get them involved on a serve team. And, uh, and then just the natural process of our multiplication is we're wanting to raise leaders up through there. And so those lead, uh, somebody comes in that they, they're really involved. They want to grow their faith. They're learning how, you know, they're being discipled. They're learning how to follow Jesus. Eventually they're leading in that area. And then uh, for us, we've hired staff out of those leaders, those, those serve team leaders, those people who are leading different ministries within our church in a volunteer role. And, and we're looking for maybe, for example, a connections pastor. One time we were looking for an, uh, I was looking for an assistant and we had this young guy who was, who's really like came to our church, got involved, was doing great stuff. I was like, Hey, why don't you be our, my assistant? And then after he was my assistant for a while, we put him over a ministry area and he was a pastor here. And then from pastoring, Hey, I feel like I'm, I, I want to, uh, I want to plant a church and they're, they're, being discipled and they're getting poured into and they're being developed as leaders all along the way. So when they come to that point, we sit down with them and just kind of in nuts and bolts, very practical. We say, okay, like, you know, why do you, we walk them through that calling? Why do you feel called? How's God equipped you? Where do you feel called? And then we literally begin to work with them to put together a strategy and, and the nuts and bolts of, you know, timeline. When, when do you think this will happen? Who, who do you think you can get to go with you? Who will support you? And then we begin to bring that in front of the church to say, hey, here's Jonathan. He's feel called, he feels called to plant a church in East Texas. We want to bless him. If any of you guys want to go with him, if any of you want to support him, we want you to know that you have our blessing to do that. They're going to be here for another, you know, six months or whatever as our connection pastor, and then they're going to be moving to, to plant. So that's for the, for the funnel for someone who's just in our church. The funnel for an apprentice, someone decides to do a long-term apprenticeship with us. We immediately get them involved. Uh, typically, they're working another job, so we get them involved in leading in the church bivocationally, and we want them to lead in every area. So they'll spend some time with me learning the big picture overall 30,000-foot view, and then we'll have them spend some time with our kids' ministry. 
sometime with our college ministry, sometime with our, our youth ministry, sometime with our worship and creative arts. And we kind of divide their time based on whether they're here a day a week or three days a week, whatever that looks like. We divide their time. And then we have them, again, we have them lead a group from scratch. And we begin to have them like lead different ministries and, and, and events and programs in the church so we can evaluate their leadership and coach them through that. And so we set up that plan, whether it's 12 months, 18 months or 24 months, we walk them through like uh, so they're learning the skills from us. But then at the same time, we're helping them develop their strategy. So we're walking them through. How do you how do you fundraise? How do you build a launch team? How do you develop leaders? How do you do core group development? Uh, how do you uh, go into your city and meet people of influence? And, and mm-hmm. so we're walking them through that while they're helping lead in the programs and ministry. And then if it's someone who's outside of our church, um, the first thing we do is we take them through our church planner training. We have a training that's a three and a half day training, kind of DNA basics for church planners that we do through LocalNet that, that I help lead. And, and so we take them through that and then we get them in a monthly coaching cohort with other church planners that we're coaching so that they have a family, so that they have people that they can rely on outside of just us. So they're not going through it alone. And so they're getting ongoing pastoral care through that. And then they're getting ongoing coaching on a monthly basis through our cohorts and our cohorts meet online, most of them. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, we, we, we can get you into a cohort. And so that, that way we coach them, we train them, we're helping them with their processes and strategies. And so that's what that looks like through that funnel. Does that, does that make sense? That that, answer the question? Yeah, that is very, very comprehensive. Okay. And, and, and I, and I know we're helping some people because at the, at the end of the day, people will be watching this if they want to build a funnel, a funnel. And so um, just to recap, and then I'm going to pass the ball to Troy. Uh, number one, start raising up within. Yeah. Sometimes we look outside versus looking inside and then a basic fundamental step with a with you know when it comes to within a within funnel get them discipled get them serving get them leading and as you get them leading some will become staff some will become pastors and and as that becomes a track or position or an opportunity and then through that through proximity some will say hey i feel called to to plant and then as they feel called to plant, then there's this kind of question Q&A type session that you kind of go through. It may take weeks, it may take months, right? And then they build a strategy, look at a timeline, and then they begin vi- casting vision before the church. And then, you know, and then they resource them. So that's the first funnel, right? Yeah. Then the second funnel is that long-term apprenticeship piece where you just get them into your church, leading any and everywhere, giving them exposure in different ministries, hands-on, so that they're building strategy and skills along the way. And and then we can't miss the fact that you want them to be leading groups, and then ultimately that leads to them um, to plant plant in the church. And then third, those that are completely coming from the outside, there's this three-day boot camp. It's, big, it's a basic church planting boot camp, right? Yeah. And feel free to reach out to, to Nick on that if you, you want some help on that. But then secondly, which I love, is the cohort model, right? You're, you're, you're walking, training, pastoring leaders that will inevitably plant churches. Did I capture that right, Nick? Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Okay. 
I'll say this. The one thing we do too, to bring our church involved with the, not with the out, like people we connect with outside, but with the inside folks and with the apprentice folks who spend time with us toward the end of that, that time, whether they're leaving our staff or leaving our church to plant or they're an apprentice moving on to plant. Uh, we have them preach on a Sunday and we, we call it vision Sunday, but it's not the vision for Timber Ridge. It's the mm. vision for their church. And we have them get up and cast vision and preach. And then I get up at the end of it and say, Hey guys, you know, Jared, Jared's been with us for 18 months. Yeah. He, he's going to pr- plant a great church in Ranger. Some of you, you've been sitting around your whole life going, God, I want an adventure. And if you're, if that's you, you need to go join Jared on this adventure. You have a hundred percent blessing from Timber Ridge, from your pastors. If you want to sell your house and you want to go get a job in Ranger and you want to move to Ranger with Jared and Lane and their family to help start the Woodbridge church, we, we, we want you to know that we're giving you our blessing and we want you to go. Like we are ascending church and that involves you. And I think that's important. And, and sometimes people will, will go, Hey, I want to go do that. Oh. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that, that that's an important step in, in that blessing process to let your church know, like we're sending them out, but we're also letting you know, you could have a part in this and we, we want to bless you in that. Wow. I love that. I love that vision Sunday piece. I mean, that, that is, that, that's nice. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm depositing. Run it. Man, I, I, um, I, you know, I'm hearing all this, right? And so I'm, I'm just saying, I'm a, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing all this. And I, I, if, if anybody's like me, which I, I would imagine everybody's like me and some, uh, maybe sitting there and their heart's pumping because I want to get to who does it take to get this done? So it can't, you're, I mean, you're awesome dude, Nick, but you can't be doing this by yourself. So what is the org structure to make such a machine like that run? From yeah. a church planting perspective, to get people through the recruiting, assessment, coaching, networking, and resourcing. That's good. good. So we have uh, a couple things. I think number one, the church pl- to, to make this happen, church planting has to be the heart of the lead pastor. So, like, I'm a church planter. Now, I may never plant another church other than Timbridge, I may plant 10 more, but I'm always going to be involved in church planting because that's my heart. Um, and so I think that's part of it. But that being said, just because you have the heart and the passion for it doesn't mean you have to do all the X, Y, and Zs for it and one, two, threes. Uh, so I think it does take a team. So for us, uh, when, as we've built out our family, there are some of those church planners who now help us train other church planners. So Jared that I mentioned, there are times where we get connected with a church planner and I was like, you need to connect with Jared because Jared can help you plant your church and get you to the next level. So as you're planting churches, you're building out your church planting, training and coaching family. Um, there are our partners we have in ministry through our, our family at Global Net that, that we, we are other church planners. We train each other. I, they'll, they'll send people to me and go, hey, you need to connect with them. I'll send people to them and go, man, you really need to connect with them. Uh, and, and so I think that's part of it. But as far as like here locally at Timber Ridge, um, our team, everyone on our team sees church planning as part of their job. So while I might have the heart for church planting, uh, our our worship our worship team and our our uh, our worship uh, staff 
mostly volunteers, they will, they, they see their job as church planning too. So if we have to connect them with a church planner to say, Hey, here's a church planner. They're trying to find someone to, to lead worship and they don't even know where to start, what to look for. Can you guys help kind of give them a job description for what they would look like to have a worship leader on their team? And I'm not doing that, but our worship team is. We have some people that have really strong admin gifts. They're a huge help to this. Like, then they don't just go, well, church planning is not my thing. I'm an administrative assistant at Timberidge. No, being an ad, administrative assistant at Timberidge means you're heavily involved in, in church planning and connecting with planters and, and helping set up cohorts and all of those things. Um, our kids' ministry leaders have helped numerous church plants. When, when, we, when the church plant calls us and says, uh, hey, you know, somebody we're coaching or training, hey, we need, we, we have this building, we're looking at the space, we're not sure if it would work. Could you drive three or four hours and come look at it? I don't go by myself. I'm like, yeah, I'll go. And I take our kids team, somebody on our kids team with me. And they're looking at it from a kids ministry standpoint. So really the whole team has to see their job, whether they're volunteer or, or paid staff, part-time, full-time, the whole team has to see their job as church planting as well. And so it's, that's not all of their job or maybe the main thing in their job, but they're part of a team that plants churches. And so we say like, we're a church planting church. Because kids ministry in a church planting church is different than kids ministry in a church. Mm. Kids ministry in a church planting church, the kids pastor has to care about other churches too. Worship ministry in in a church planting church, the worship pastor has to care about developing worship leaders for other places too. It can't yeah. just be for our house. It has to be for the kingdom. And I think that's the shift. And, and you just have to begin to make it with your team. And what we found is early on, it was just me and my wife doing it all. But as we begin to hand that out, our staff gets more excited about church planting. We haven't had a lot of pushback of, well, that's really not my job. They want to be involved in that multiplication. Mm-hmm. And when they get more excited about it, their teams get more excited about it, which means the whole church is getting more excited about about church planning because all of the leadership is sharing the ownership of it. And that's been a huge key for us. Amazing. That is, that is amazing. I, you know, so we're, we, we are heavily involved with, you know, church plants and stuff, but I think that one nugget right there has been the thing of of just engaging our, and having our, having our team engaged in these two things, being concerned about our local community. So spending a great percentage of your time, out in the community, not yeah. in this building, to is be a part of the church planning process somehow. So whether we got we're getting people um, trained to be assessors, getting people uh, a part of church planning networks that we don't have our, our network here anymore, but either other church planning networks. But that has been the, the thing. It's like it stays on the forefront when when the leaders are, are thinking about it. So my follow up question is this to you. Oh, you're about to say something? Well, I was just going to add to that. Like, for example, like you said, assessment, there's a counselor probably that goes to your church. You know, all of us have, you know, at some point probably have a counselor that goes to our church that would be far better in the assessment process than I am. If I would turn her loose and yeah. let her, hey, meet with this church planner and his wife and and, 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 let, and assess them and give me some feedback on them. They're better at it. So I might as well include them in the process. Um, and, and like for us, during when, when COVID hit and all churches went online, we weren't even online. We're a young church, but we weren't online. I'm, I, you know, we, were, we weren't there. So our, our student pastor quickly became our digital pastor. But he didn't just become our digital pastor. 
I mean, he helped eight or nine of our church plants get online within two weeks and coach them through what to buy and how to use the equipment. He was going all over the place, helping our church plants even more than he was helping us to, to get them to the next level. So it, it does take the whole team. Mm. Yeah. Before we, before we wind it down, I'm sure um, well, has to get a couple of things in there before we, we wind it down. I, I, I really I have a follow-up question with the people because we know with the people, the next question we're going to ask is the money, right? Yeah. So this is, so, so what is your, you know, as much as you're willing to share, just what is your resourcing engine look like to, to fuel such a thing? Like, you know, the plant churches, because the worst thing that happen is, is that we get planters all juiced up and people want to multiply. I don't care if you're going to start a, a, a church at home, it's going to cost you some money. Yeah. And, uh, and it's going to cost, and then that, you know, that sending church wants to be a part of, of that experience. So what does the resourcing engine look like? What are revenue streams possibly? Uh, that kind of thing. So for us, we, uh, we were giving a little over 20% of our budget to, to this. And so that's a huge commitment for us. We're also using that money that we have for, um, for our My Best Gift Christmas offering. Uh, that, that's significant for our church. It's usually around $50,000, um, which is pretty significant. That's like a lot of money for our church. Straight we're, up, straight we're, up. We're, a, we're a pretty, I mean, blue collar college students. College students have tons of passion and zero pennies. I mean, that's on, all passion for pennies. Uh, and so, uh, so that's just the reality. So like when we take that kind of uh, offering, it's huge for us. And so we're able to use that to, to fund planters to do, we do pastoral care retreats where we make sure our church planters are, are taken care of, like just getting away once a year for two or three days, those kind of things. Um, and so um, we're funding it through those things. Then we're also, when we plant churches, we don't require like a percentage or anything like that, but we tell them like, you need to figure out what it's going to look like in your budget. And you need to give, you need to do the same thing we're doing. You need to be pouring into planters. So some of that funding might come from, Hey, we have somebody who wants to plant in Nashville. Okay. Well, we, we know we planted this church in Toronto. We have a good relationship with them. We, we help them get started. We help fund them. Uh, you know, seven years ago and we're still really tight because we're a family let's let's get with them and we help plant this church uh out in uh, arizona two years ago let's get with them and let's together help fund this church in nashville um so we're like pouring back into the family again it's not an obligation because we don't want it to be like like we don't say, well, you have to give 5% to church planting and it has to come through us or we won't partner with you. We don't do that because that's not family. That's 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 just a transaction. It's like, no, if you're going to be multiplying, let's let's continue to give to church planting. And then what can we do together? And then we're also helping people see how their careers and uh, and their businesses can can make an impact for the kingdom uh, in church planting. And so, like anytime we can connect a, a business owner or uh, someone who who uh, has resources because of their career to a group of church planners, that's huge as well. And then something we're going to start doing. It wasn't our idea. It was a friend of mine, uh, Kevin Cox, who's a pastor north of Dallas, northeast of Dallas. Their church has small groups adopting their church plants now, and so they're small 
small groups are responsible for like, uh, you know, they fund them, but the small groups are responsible for like sending financial gifts or uh, helping them with a special project or something like that. So the small group really has hands-on adoption. Uh, and then for us, we say like, I think every church planner has to figure out what's that, what's that number that I care about? Like, is it $200 a month? Is it $500 a month? Is it $1,000 a month? The number that I, this is how we've determined how much our minimum will be for church planners. It's the number I want to know about before we like start sending it out monthly. Like, what's the number? If, if we spend $50 a month on uh, pizza for the kids, I don't care. I don't care about like, nobody has to go hey, we're going to spend $50. Is that okay? Nobody has to ask that. They just go spend $50. But there is that number in every budget that you're like, as the leader, you're like, hey, if we're going to make that kind of commitment, I want to know about it. For us, that's the starting point for a church plan. Because if we don't care enough to know, if we're not investing enough that, that we want to know about it as a leader, then we're not going to invest in that. So what that means is sometimes we'll have to say no to folks because we have so many people, but we're giving them already so much. And we say, hey, we can't do that right now. A year from now, it may be different or six months from now, let's have the conversation, but we're maxed out right now. But what we don't want to do is say, oh yeah, come on. And we'll, we'll cut this person off. We don't want to do that. We want to fund them in a, in a generous and meaningful way. I love that. I know we only have about seven minutes, so we have two final questions for you, Nick. Time just flies when we all here kicking it, man. Um, I guess the, the, the first question would be, and I think I probably coined this phrase, sometimes it gets me in trouble, but a lot of church planting is glorified event planning, right? Uh, it's synonymous with event planning for the most part, right? So we, we do some previews do some killer marketing. We, you know, we, we have some people transfer from maybe our church and maybe another church. And then we say, man, we launched large, man. We had 250 people. Right. Um, and, and the emphasis becomes about the event, the Sunday event. How have you, or what practices have you learned that keeps church planters from thinking event planning versus church planting? That's a great question. I think it comes back to what we celebrate. Like what we celebrate shows where we care. Mm. And so if everything is like, oh, we had this many people show up or, oh, we did a community event and this many people came or, oh, look how many people are in our gatherings. If that's what we celebrate, that's what our people will care about. Mm. But if we celebrate church planting and we celebrate, man, guys, sacrificially we gave and this new church started from nothing in Queens and look at what they're doing and look at the, the lives that are being changed and, and then look at the stories and, and man, none of us are going to move to Queens. None of us are going to go start a Spanish speak. Our newest church plan is a Spanish speaking congregation in Queens. Mm. I'm a redneck from Texas that doesn't <laughs> speak one word of Spanish. How am I going to help there? Well, I can help there by coaching, by training, mm. by sending, by resourcing. So like celebrating that with our church is huge. So, so what we celebrate, will will tell it, it will tell our people what they should care about. Mm. So if we just celebrate the big events, the, the big attendance, those kind of things, that's what our people will care about. But if we celebrate the other things, that's what they'll care about. Mm. Very powerful. Uh, Nick, we want you to land with a story. Tell us, give us a story that would encourage 
uh, church planters and pastors that are viewing us today of just kind of maybe what God is doing. Give us one glory story. All right. I'm going to, I want to talk about my friend, Jared then. So Jared was, uh, was with us as an apprentice and, uh, when he came on staff on staff with us as an apprentice, he 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 kind of come up from a rough spot in a church, and and just he he actually came to our church just to to come to our church just to be a part of our church family. About nine months in, he caught the church planting bug and started as an apprentice with us. Had been a youth pastor, started apprenticing with us, and as he went through that, he didn't. Uh, he didn't know really what uh, what it was that he where where it was that he was co- being called to go, and so we went through all these ci- like big cities in Texas and and these cities with big college campuses and and man we would go we would visit and he and his family would go and visit and it was like nope that's not it that's not it that's not it and he came to me one day and he was like man I've I, we've been praying we've been seeking the Lord I think God is calling us to Ranger Texas. Mm. And Ranger, Texas is about 50 miles down the road from us. And it's a town of a thousand people. And he was like, what do you think about that? And I said, I think that if God's calling you, if, if you're hearing Ranger, Texas, it could only be God because there's not an, another reason anybody would move to Ranger, Texas, middle of nowhere, West Texas, a thousand people. More people are moving out of Ranger than moving in. Terrible drug problem in the town and in the county. And uh, he followed, followed what God was calling him to do, and he moved there. And they planted uh, four years ago. And uh, their church in a town of 1,000 runs about 250 people. And mm. they baptize, they've baptized probably over the last four years, they've baptized about 150 people. Um, over t- they baptized over 10% of the population of their city. And not wow. only are they multiplying in their church, they're helping plant other churches through our church planting family. They're helping start other churches. And so I think a lot of times we think like, let's celebrate the guy who moved to the, to right. the city and blew it up. And, and that's, right. that's who, you know, that's who's on the stages and that's who the spotlight is on. But for me, the heroes are the Jared Johnsons. Wait, well, you, you know, you know what, Nick, that's why we had you on here. That's why we hunted you down you spent some time with Todd because we needed we we as an exponential family we need to hear those who are hear those who are in the trenches making yeah. it happen hearing stories yeah, like man. you just told man I mean I'm I'm ready to leave my church right now <laughs> hey, give me a small town in Texas <laughs> <laughs> baptize half the population for Jesus man let's get it hey That's Nick awesome. we have we have one minute left buddy um. Uh, P, uh, we've had people um, comment in the comment section and say, hey, I, I really want to reach out to Nick. Uh, can we have some information? So, Nick, what's the best way uh, to get a hold of you uh, if people want? Maybe they want to move there. Maybe they want to talk to you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Awesome. My email is Nick, N-I-C, no K. So Nick at TimberRidgeChurch.com. There's an R in, in, in Timber and in Ridge. Uh, it's two words. So Nick, N-I-C, at TimberRidgeChurch.com. Uh, our church number is 254-434-2507. You can call and get a hold of me there. Or on Instagram, it's just at Nick Burleson. Uh, yep. N-I-C-B-U-R-L-E-S-O-N. So, so everybody go, go right now and follow my guy. Yeah, at Nick Burleson. We'll connect on there. Uh, and, and that's a great way to get a hold of me as well. 
Awesome. Troy, thank you, bro, for riding shoddy today, man. <laughs> Anytime, brother. This has been amazing. I got a paper full of notes. Yeah, thank hey. You. I really appreciate it. Hey, me it. too, man. <laughs> hey, Nick, it's been fun, man. We probably have you back in the, in the next six months or so to see awesome. how you're doing. I'd be honored. Be honored.